Welcome to Off the Beat, the podcast that discusses all things law enforcement from a cop's point of view. My name's DJ Seals. I'm a former detective, crime analyst, and SWAT operator from the metro Atlanta area. Now, I currently work for Motorola as a law enforcement consultant, but this podcast will never be about product or sales, and that I promise you. You know, I came up with this idea because I wanted to have a place where we could have a conversation about current police issues without you, my listener, feeling like they were in a sales pitch. Well, I wouldn't listen to that, and I'm sure you wouldn't either. So we're not going to go there. So today's topic. To be honest with you, I've kept this topic in my uh, pocket for a while. Uh, probably because I'm uh, quite passionate about this particular topic and I just kind of let it simmer for a minute, right? The topic today is, I'd rather work short than poor. Now listen, all you grammar folks out there, don't get me for that. I know, it's, it's full of error, but th- the point is, we don't have enough cops. So is the answer to go out and just the higher bodies to fill cars, to patrol. We're going to look at both of these today. But let me first explain why I became so passionate about this and where I came up with this. Uh, It was on my SWAT team. You know, I was uh, on the SWAT team for quite a while, and uh, we would have to go out and find new members from time to time. Uh, Members would retire or, or be transferred or whatever. And we would have these times where people could come out and try to join the SWAT team. It it was extremely difficult. Just being straight honest with you. I remember my day and uh, I'd rather not remember my day. (laughs) All my team members that are listening are laughing right now. Uh, It wasn't fun. But, but why was it difficult? It was difficult because we needed to find people who could excel in horrible circumstances. I mean, beyond the the running and the push-ups and the sit-ups and the basic, I used to tell people, if you you can't hit the standard for the push-ups and the sit-ups and the basic running and, 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 and the range shooting, if that's not easy for you, if that's not every day for you, then you probably don't want to come out and try out for the rest because that's only one part of this arduous day. And there were many times that we'd have just a couple come out. Sometimes we'd have eight to 10, maybe even 15 come out. And many times nobody would make it through just the basics. Or they'd make it all the way through, but they just couldn't make it through the rest, right? And we weren't able to put anybody on. And we'd have these conversations. What are we going to do over short? I mean, oh my goodness. I would, oh, uh. And I remember one day in, in, the, in, in the meeting room, I said, listen, I'd rather work short than poor. And everybody kind of looked at me and I said, yeah, let me explain. We can't just put bodies on. The, these are positions that demand excellence. And if we just put bodies on, then we're completely walking away from the excellence we demand. You know, I, I've spoken to many agencies and teams around the nation, and 
and and I hear uh, within police agencies, not just SWAT teams, that that certain qualifications are being lessened a little bit. You know, just yeah, okay. Maybe we'll give an aggregate score. Uh, you know, that one thing won't knock you out. We'll we'll work we'll work on that. We'll work on that. And and that's that's one way to go. But let's talk about the two real quick. So, all across law enforcement, we're, we're shorthanded. Some extremely, dangerously shorthanded. Um, folks are leaving law enforcement. Um, an agency that's very close to me just, just lost two this week. Didn't seem like a lot, but one of those was in a management position. That's a lot. So, what do you do? Do you go out and you hire and maybe you're tempted to, to lessen the qualifications just so you can put people on because you got to have X amount of officers on this particular shift and, and, and in this beat and, and in this division. So let's just, let's just put somebody there. Okay. Let's look at that for a minute. It, it does fill cars. It does. It, it, it puts more cops on the street. Yeah, well, maybe. So for my civilian friends who are listening, you don't just become a cop one day. You get the job, but then you have to go through the academy. So the job is kind of conditional uh, upon you passing the academy standards. And depending on what state or what what uh, agency you're going with, that academy can can be anywhere from you know six to eight weeks on up to months in some places that I've spoken to. And along the way in that academy, there, there are written tests on law and procedure, and there's driving tests and physical tests. And it, it's just, it's just a tsunami of testing. <laughs> it's just testing all the time. But the reason for that is because we want to make sure that whoever wears the badge has excelled in the standards. You would want that as a citizen, right? So let, let's say you make it through. You make it through. And, you know, I've spoken to some agencies, uh, you know, who, I mean, we all know the certain academies that are a bit easier to get through. Not that the standards are lower, but there's not as much pressure. So the academy I went through was basically a military style academy. Um, there was all of the testing and all of the standards, but there was also a, a, a militaristic regime and pressure and my civilians just, just triggered, just ah, military. That's not what I mean. What I mean is like going through a, a boot camp or going through some type of military organization, th there, there are structure within that boot camp. Right. There is uh, there are times when the, uh, the the drill instructors or we, we call them staff duty officers will come in in the middle of class and get you up and take you out and, and you're running for a while or your stress is induced. I'm a fan of stress being induced in the academies. I'm personally not a big fan of what I would consider college style academies. And I'm, I'm not trying to you know, throw shade on any academy out there. You, you do you. I'm giving an opinion. And the reason I'm a fan of the 
uh, more high pressure academy is that the job is not, well, frankly, doing what I do now. I mean, I, I go to agencies, I work with agencies, I consult with agencies, real-time crime, analysis, policy procedure, whatever, right? But, but I don't have the pressure of pinning on the badge, strapping on the gun, and being called to an active shooter anymore. I don't, I don't have that pressure anymore. So I have other pressures, but, but they're not high stress as I would consider them. There's nothing like being a rookie and you've just been released off of field training. So you're on your own, you're in your own car, your own everything. You just, you're just, you're, you would think that you just feel like you're in high cotton. But that first call that comes in and it can be a small call. It can be an easy call. It can be a, I don't know, somebody's got a question for you. <laughs> yeah, that's right. We go to those, but, but maybe it's that high pressure call. Maybe it's that fight at the gas station in the middle of the night and off you go and, and you're headed there. And then for just a second in your mind, you go, hope I'm ready for this. I wouldn't call it doubt. I would call it the unknown. You've been tested, you've been tried, you've gone through everything, you're ready to go, you've got the stamp of approval, but yet you haven't handled a situation like this by yourself. It is stress-inducing. So let's go back to the academy for a minute. I believe that if the academy is not stress-inducing, then I don't know 100% that for many people, it's preparing them properly. So if we were to pick one of those academies that's, you know, just got a higher graduation rate, follow me here, just so we can get people through, we get people on the road. We've got more officers. Look at this. We're ready to go. But are we? Because in, in, in the daily life of law enforcement, okay, uh, they may be just fine, maybe just fine. But when that stress triggers, when that one call comes in, when there are multiple stressors coming in at you at the same time, will you be prepared? You might be. I have seen fantastic officers come from military-style academies and college-style academies. Absolutely. But I've also seen times when certain academies, uh, officers came from uh, an academy that was in another state that didn't have, you know, a little bit, little bit lighter, a little bit easier, um, flash out during the job. Flash out during the job. What's that mean? Well, see, in my academy, we had a very high attrition rate within the academy. People quit. People failed out. People didn't make the standard. They were let go. They were filtered out before they held the responsibility of the public safety in their hands. I like that. That, that academy I went to, their, their whole goal okay, was to make sure that if you got through, then they've done the best job they can to prepare you 
to serve your citizens properly and, and, and be prepared for things that are to come. Can't prepare for everything. <laughs> Some of these things you just learn. Some of these calls, there's no way to prepare for them because nobody's ever heard of them before, right? But I've also seen those who got through other academies who are great, got through field training, did a good job, and then they got that call. And they froze up and they flamed out on the job. Well, that's more difficult because now we got to start the process over again. Now we got to start hiring again. Now we got to send somebody else through academy. By the way, it costs to send people to the academy. It costs in time and uniforms and academy fees. And uh, it, it's, it's costly. You can't really afford to have the wrong people go through or at least make it through. I'd rather work short than poor. So you say, well, DJ, well, okay, so if we don't just 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 flood people in, you know, just let, let's let's lower the standards a little bit. Let's lessen that up. Come on, you know, we don't really need all that. Let's just, you know, okay, well, they, 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 we wouldn't normally, we wouldn't have hired them like five, ten years ago, but they're perfect now. Okay, standards change, things change, but let me ask you this, and I'm going to go way off to the side here. Hiring officers just to hire officers, just to get bodies, if something were to go sideways with those officers, they're out, they made through the academy, you send them to that one, right? They got out. They're all good. They're on their own, and they make a mistake. The mistakes made in law enforcement are not like mistakes made in, oh, I don't know, just my job, okay? I make a mistake on a document to an agency. I could fix it, <laughs> right? Right? I, I, uh, I, I miss a phone call from somebody. I can call and apologize and it's fine, right? Typically. That those are mistakes that are easily overcome. Mistakes in law enforcement are a higher level. They're a much higher level. We have to go back and understand that, that when we're sworn in, we're sworn in to be the protectors. We're sworn in to uh, uphold the law, to be above board, to be above reproach, especially in court. We're sworn in. Do you swear that the testimony you're about to give is the truth and nothing but the truth? Yes. And then, then, our, then our credentials are given. Are, are you an officer in this jurisdiction and were you an officer in this jurisdiction during this particular date? Yes. So let's say it's a DUI thing. Are you certified in, in, in field sobriety? And that, yes. Where did you get that certification? Bam. How long have you been certified? Bam. You know, you're, you are setting yourselves up as an expert. Ooh, an expert. Whew. Let's talk about that word for a minute. If I asked the listeners here, what's an expert? You would say, well, somebody who. You might say somebody who is uh, you know, really knows the topic, somebody who's a 
doctor, a PhD, somebody who has studied long and hard, somebody who has gone through uh, the trials and the tribulations and come through the other side, and, and, and they are the ones. They're a teacher. They're an educator. They're the, they're the cream of the crop. But now let me ask you this. The officer that might pull you over today, maybe you're driving in and I'm distracting you and you cross the center line and you're getting pulled over right now. The officer that's approaching your car, are they an expert? Hmm. Let me ask it a different way. The officer that's approaching your car right now, do you expect them to be an expert? Yes, you do. Come on. Yes, you do. I'll bring up a conversation I had with some, some friends a while back. All, all the social disorder and everything started cropping up, and I had a group of people that just wanted to have a conversation with me and ask questions, and I am completely open for that. And they did, and many of them didn't think the way I thought, right? And I got questions like, and this happened to be on a shooting situation. We're not going to go into the right, the wrong, or whatever happened in the shooting situation. But I want to talk about the questions. And the questions were, well, why couldn't they have just shot him in the hand? Why couldn't they have just shot the gun out of the suspect's hand? What? R what? <laughs> say, say again? I had another conversation with some folks just a couple of weeks ago, and I was explaining a process and a procedure in law enforcement, and they said, oh, I don't think that's the way it happens. And I went, oh, okay. What's your understanding? And they went into this long diatribe about how they were watching this cop TV show, and this is how the TV show did it, and that is how it happens. Those of you who know me know that that triggered me a bit. Uh, I don't watch them. They're full of baloney. Um, and I find myself just picking them apart as, <laughs> as those TV shows go on. But then I had to explain, you know, look, that's not reality. The reality is this. TV is that. And the person went on. They're like, well, what's the difference? And I, <laughs> I said, TV show has to end in 30 minutes to an hour. Law enforcement is a career. That's it. You know, it'd be like me saying, uh, let's, let's go to video games for a minute and saying to a, a group of video game developers, and by the way, I know nothing about video game developing, but that's okay. This person knew nothing about law enforcement. Um, you know, so I might go to them and go, oh, come on. Come on. I mean, all you're doing is cutting and pasting off of uh, off a of clip art, right? That's it. You're just throwing it in there, yeah? Yeah? Right? You can get this done in an hour, can't you? No, of course they can't. <laughs> Video games take months and years to, to put together. But I don't know that. But what I know is what I've seen, right? What, what, I, what, I, what I opine upon. And see, that is why, that's the whole crux of this. That's the whole crux of I'd rather work short than poor. And maybe we should add, I'd rather work short and high level than poor and low level. Citizens believe that every cop on patrol, every cop wearing a badge is an expert in all law. 
We know this because we get calls to people, and, and they, a citizen has a question for an officer. What's the question about radio? Uh, unclear. They just uh, want to ask you a question. So you show up, and the question's like on some legality of, of a will or something. I don't know. Not a lawyer. Not a lawyer. We don't typically study legalities of wills. Or whatever, right? I mean, I, I don't know. Uh, you know, I had somebody call me Bitcoin was getting big way back. And, and somebody, somebody called, called Nobstrom was like, like, hey, man, uh, this Bitcoin, can I use it at Walmart? What? <clears throat> I, what? Because the citizenry believes we know. Is that a bad thing? Hmm. That's a whole nother podcast. But I'll say really quickly, I don't necessarily believe it's bad. I, I believe it is a couple of things. One, it is a heavy weight to bear. It is a heavy weight to bear when people think you know everything, but you don't. That you're an expert in everything, but you're not. But it's also... A little bit nice. It shows their trust. It shows their belief. And you say, well, that trust and belief has eroded, DJ. Yeah, you know, maybe. Maybe. But I'll, I, 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 this is for the cops on the, not that you can answer, but this is for the cops listening. Have those types of calls stopped? Those types of calls that have we, we, we actually used to call them civil matters. They're not criminal. They're civil, right? Have they stopped? I bet not. Matter of fact, I know not because many of the agencies I've been to in the last few weeks traveling uh, and looking at their data, looking at their calls, working with them on things, civil matters there. Civil matters a high call. So they haven't stopped. So the trust, has it really eroded the belief that we know? But if we have this belief that we know, and I'm not saying we need to to rise to the belief or, or rather rise to be able to answer every question. I, I believe one of the strong things anybody can do is say, I don't know. It's kind of a litmus test when I'm talking to people. I don't know. We all know that person that gets in a conversation and says, oh, yeah, yeah, mm -hmm, yeah, mm -hmm, oh, yeah, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, and has no idea what you're talking about. It's because they have this issue, you see, where they, they feel that saying, I don't know, is a weakness. Oh, it is not. It is not. It's a simple statement. Should probably be followed up with, I don't know, but let me see if I can help you find out. But nonetheless, I don't know is okay. It's better than making something up. If we make something up as police, guess what? The things that come out of our mouth while we're wearing that badge become official. Become official. That officer that you're thinking about right now, since I started this podcast, officer or officers, plural, that you're thinking about in your department, I know you've got them in your head. Don't say them out loud. People in the car will hear you. But, you know, we all have those that are excellent patrol officers, but probably not going to be on the narcotics team. Just... Not their passion. 
not not what they're about. You know, they're excellent at what they do, and that's where they will be. And there's nothing wrong with that. But if we elevate them for elevating stance, for elevating purpose, if we move them just to move them, to put a body somewhere, are we doing them a favor or are we hurting them? Oh, boy. See, this is, this is why I held this one, because this one could go on, but I, I'm, I'm going I'm to get brief. You know, some might say, well, if we put people where they're uncomfortable, they'll, they'll rise to the occasion. Yes, yeah, some. Some. And some will not. Let me ask you this question. And I don't mean this just for the police officers listening. I mean this for the police officers and and civilians, citizens. Listen to me for a minute. Close your eyes. Don't if you're driving. <laughs> but think about this. Think of all the people you've ever worked with, ever worked with, in, in the jobs you've had. And we're talking work here, not friends. Could be friends at work, but we're talking work. Think of all the people you ever worked with. Officers, think of all the folks you've ever patrolled with, all the folks you've ever worked with in a police department, no matter what police department it is. You have a list in your head that if you could put together your own team, those people would be on your team. I guarantee it. You may not have thought about it before. I think police officers think about it a lot. Like, when it goes bad, who do I want on my team to take care of it? Because we certainly think about who we don't. So who do you want on your team? How big is the team? I'm betting it's not very big. Could be kind of small. Could be five people. Could be ten people. But who is on your team? Now think about it for a minute. I'm willing to bet that those people were high level, or as I would say, high speed, low drag. They know what they're doing. They were the best at whatever it is. Maybe you've got different specialties on your team, but you've got people on your team and you have people that didn't make your team. Not necessarily bad, but they didn't quite rise to that occasion. How big is your team? I'm betting, again, pretty short, pretty small. So I ask you, what if I told you there were five people on your team, ten people on your team that you've thought of, and I say, I come to you and I go, you need 15, you need 20, pick five or ten more, and you struggle, and, and maybe you start going, Oh, well, okay, uh, I, I've got maybe one or two that I might be able to add, but I don't know. I mean, I, I just, and then you start this internal struggle, this internal struggle of, well, maybe, okay, okay, I'll have to, and you start working through your head, we'll have to work with this and work with that, but what about this time when that didn't work out? And now you're torn. Now you've got this internal struggle of, wait a minute, that's, Mm, did mm. why do you have this internal struggle you have it because 
They weren't at the level you wanted them to be. They weren't at that level. When you're putting together a police department, it's they're very good with patrol. And from patrol, you go, they've got a detective's mind. And, and from detective, you go, you know what? They're great with numbers and they're all about the analysis. And maybe they, they need to go to analyst school. And maybe, you know what? They're a leader. Let's move them up to sergeant or lieutenant. And we do it every day. And in non-law enforcement, we do it every day too. Think about it for a minute. If you have a problem in your company with uh, something IT related, I'm willing to bet that you have somebody, maybe a couple somebodies, in the IT department that are your go-to people. Why? Maybe it's because they always answer the phone. More than likely, it's because you have figured in your own mind, they know what they're doing. They'll always be able to fix your problem. They're the best. You'd rather work short than poor. And understand, I'll say it again, I don't mean anything negative about any police officer out there. This is more about adding officers to our count. And just pulling back from perhaps the drive to say, we need bodies in cars. And changing that to, we need the right police officers in cars for our communities. I know it's hard. I know it firsthand. I speak to so many. I come in and I go, this, these are, how many you got running your, you know, real-time crime center? Well, these four. These four. Yes. How many shifts you got? This one. Okay. Great. Uh, are there plans to expand? Number one answer. It's like we're playing family feud. Number one answer is we'd love to expand. We just don't have the people for it. So I know it's hard. But we have to, have to, have to think further down the line to the end goal. The end goal being, have we picked the right people for our community to be the right police officers. Hmm. So now, let's take a look at some crazy but true police blotter stories. Oh, yeah. Connecticut, let's go up there. A Connecticut woman was arrested for driving while intoxicated and headed to the liquor store after. What? Yeah, check this one out. Ellen here, Ellen O'Neill, crashed a 2012 Lexus sedan into a parked car. Parked car jumped out in her way. I don't see what the problem is. Uh, at at 2.30 p.m. Yeah, at 2.30 p.m. Ellen started early. Police say they could smell alcohol on the woman's breath, and she failed the sobriety test. Later, her blood alcohol level showed at point two three. <laughs> wow. 0.23. 0.08 being the legal level, most places. 0.08. Oh, 
choose 0.23. Let's explain 0.23. If you are not a functioning alcoholic, 0.23, I'm surprised she got in the car or found it. Anyway, she was charged with DUI, possession of a controlled substance for the painkiller that she was mixing with the alcohol. <laughs> and six hours after being released, she headed back to the liquor store because she didn't make it in the first place, officer. Don't you understand? I had to pick up my groceries. Well, cops pulled her over again and brought her in where her blood alcohol level was still 0.09 above the legal limit. 0.09. So let's think about that for a minute. 0.23 when they pull her over. Six hours after being released. So understand, she was probably in multiple hours. So let's call it nine. Nine hours total after having her last drink. She was still at a 0.09. Wow. Some kind of record. Massachusetts. A woman was busted in Massachusetts for drunk driving after cops found her driving with a gas pump nozzle attached to her Range Rover. Ooh, FBI even calls that a clue. Uh, yeah, you love this one. Drunk drivers always think they can drive fine. That was a quote from the police in Wilmington. In addition to her inability to stay in her own traffic lane, there was something else about her vehicle that caught other motorists' attention. <laughs> the gas pump. Uh, handle and hose dragging behind her Range Rover. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Make it easy. Just make it easy, please. Colorado Springs, Colorado. Colorado man landed in jail after offering to trade marijuana for an SUV on Craigslist. Now you're like, you know, so what? I mean, yeah, it's Colorado. Not a problem, right? Well, th this is a little different. And by the way, this is before it was legal, but because I found this one, had to show it to you. So get this one. <laughs> the vehicle that was on Craigslist was owned by a Teller County Sheriff's deputy. That's right. And he received a text from this man offering to buy his SUV. The man then sent photos of the product. And uh, he went and showed that to detectives, the deputy did. And they said, tell him you'll meet up. Of course they did, because you know what? That's like fishing with dynamite, folks. A meetup was scheduled at Woodland Park, and the man and a 41-year-old woman, mm, not a good time to follow somebody, uh, showed up for the swap, and they were promptly arrested. Now you say, well, how much marijuana are we offering here? Now we think about this. You go, well, this is before. It was legal, but it's legal now, so that's this, this not even worth it. Nah, this much is probably not legal. Authorities say they found four pounds of marijuana in the duo's car. <laughs> Let's talk about four pounds of marijuana for a minute. Marijuana is a plant, and it's not the whole plant. It's just the bud, and they're not specific, not, not really that heavy, okay? Four pounds of this. They showed a picture of it. It was like in a gym bag. And it was completely full. That's a lot of pot. Mm -hmm. And, of course, we have to go to Florida. Mm -hmm. oh, of course we do. A self-proclaimed saint. Oh, yes. A saint in Florida. Threatened to unleash an army of turtles upon the boardwalk in Florida. Mm-hmm. 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 61-year-old man is accused of disturbing people. Disturbing people. On Wavecrest Avenue Boardwalk in Bavard County on Sunday, 
by yelling out obscenities and constantly calling himself a saint, saying his turtle army will destroy them, and stating that they would all see what happens in an hour. Customers from a local Starbucks, a smoothie shop, and a local cafe were uh, on the boardwalk were all disturbed, according to the report. Police wrote that they received seven different calls about Lane's, this guy's behavior, from different locations on the boardwalk. At some point, uh, the suspect even entered the police station and proceeded to yell at the dispatcher while pounding on the walls and glass. He left, and they let him leave, which is pretty nice. But... He continued to harass the dispatchers by calling from the 7-Eleven parking lot, allegedly cursing at the responding officers and other customers. He then called 911 and told the operator over the phone that, quote, uh, the officer needs to leave now or you'll be sorry you <clears throat> messed with the saint. The saint. Mm-hmm. Well, then the saint got in his car. Oh, yeah, there's more to this. He got in his car and refused to get out. And I love this piece. This is straight from the report. An officer was forced, and rather, and was forced to be removed from the vehicle as he continued to yell obscenities at us and other passers-by about how his turtle army would destroy us. Isn't that a nice way to say, we yanked him out of the car and put him under arrest? Yeah. Lane was arrested and charged with disturbing the peace, resisting arrest without violence, and misusing 911. He was released on bail. So, the good thing is, those of you in Brevard County in Florida, he was released on bail. Your saint is free. Congratulations. You know, as we go along this journey together, I may say some things you don't agree with, this podcast, or maybe you do agree with me and even have a topic you'd like me to cover. Thank you all for sending me topics. Or maybe you have a funny police story you'd like to share with me. Thank you for those as well. Email me at offthebeat at MotorolaSolutions.com to give me your thoughts and ideas and check out my Twitter page at DJ underscore offthebeat. Until next time, stay diligent, stay educated, and stay safe.